Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. We take on somebody's ability to say yes or no. That's not our responsibility. That's their responsibility because Mm -hmm. we are grown-ass women who can ask for help and also are fine if somebody says no. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 193. We're talking about doing less with Kate Northrup. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Membership, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. So glad you are here today, my friend. I am so excited. In just a moment, I am going to be sitting down and talking to Kate Northrup about her new book. And she is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and mother. And she and her husband, Mike Watts, are committed to supporting ambitious women to light up their world without burning themselves out in the process. Amen for that. I'm all about that. Her first book, Money, A Love Story, has been published in five languages. And her second book, Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms, is now available. And they live with their daughters in a cozy little town in Maine. So I'm so excited for you to join me as we have this conversation because 
we need this message so desperately. We tend to be kind of stuck in an achievement cycle. And this is something we work with in, in mindful parenting. And I work with, with my clients. And I, this book is, you know, I get a lot of books for the podcast. And this one is definitely a keeper. I'm going to be keeping it around and reviewing some uh, elements again and again and again. And by the way, did I say, I think I forgot to say thank you for being here. You know, I think that you'll be so happy that you're listening to this episode. I'm so happy you're here. I know that Kate's happy you're here. This is this is going to be a great conversation. And I want you to listen for a few takeaways I had. Um, one, we can do less and actually be more productive. Woohoo! Like this is what we need, right? Yes, yes. Um, your menstrual cycle can show you when is the best time to rest and when is the best time to move forward. So cool, right? Um, and we listen for how to balance asking for help with boundaries on giving help, right? So let's let's support each other and let's hold some healthy boundaries. We, we can do this. Um, before we dive into this episode, I just want to let you know that Raising Good Humans is available for presale. Ha! Ah, yay! So exciting. So if you haven't yet, please go to RaisingGoodHumansBook.com. That's RaisingGoodHumansBook.com. And there are links there to order the book from wherever you want to order it. And then you can sign in once you've ordered it and get book bonuses. And I'm recording the first chapter right now, audio recording of the first chapter, along with some other juicy bonuses that we are going to be adding in there, as well as some of the guided meditations, audio versions of that that are in the book. So I'm so excited for you to, uh, to experience Raising Good Humans. And I need your help, need your help to spread the word, to share share the book around. So if you want me to come to your city to uh, do a book signing or uh, a talk about Raising Good Humans, I am very open to that right now. So if you want to do that, you can ask me and reach out to me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. You can email me about that. Um, but please, please do pre-order the book. It's available now, raisinggoodhumansbook.com. Okay, now let's dive into this episode with Kate Northrup. Kate Northrup, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. You know, I was just saying to you that your book kind of couldn't come, come at a better time for me because as we record this, I've been in the process of my first book is coming out, Raising Good Humans, and I've been transferring my course into a membership program, and like all the things are happening, and like people are asking for a retreat as well as, and I was like, no, I cannot do that. I can't yeah. do all those things, and yeah. it was just so helpful to read your book while I was preparing for this interview and be like, yes, there are reasons why I can't do all the things and why I'm saying no to some of these things. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So you write in the book about, you know, you work with, with moms. And what I wanted to kind of hone in on and, and identify with this is like, you know, I have a lot of clients who work with me and they struggle. Sometimes they don't realize it, but we live in this culture. You write about the culture and we live in this culture where we end up feeling this kind of lack of worthiness because it's so 
achievement oriented and doing oriented. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about like, tell me a little bit more about how you identified this problem of like doing so much and, and some of the problems with it. Well, I, I mean, it's everywhere, right? <laughs> I just, I, I, I identified it within myself because when I got pregnant with my first daughter, I suddenly just like could not do nearly the amount of things in a day that I used to be able to do. And I came right up against the question of, well, who am I if I'm not productive? Who am I if I'm not capable and achieving things? And I realized at that point how intertwined my sense of self was with what I do. And when I wasn't able to do all the things that I used to do, I found myself on pretty shaky ground in terms of my worth and just my, even my identity. And then coming into motherhood shook it even further because not only was I tired, I also had this really cranky baby, sick baby (laughs) to take care of and, and was dealing with my own emotional stuff around the birth. And, and the day was just definitely not about checking anything off the to-do list. And I felt lost and I knew I wasn't the only one because I was hanging out with other new moms. But then even beyond being uh, beyond motherhood, just, you know, how much the conversation is around like, well, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. Or, you know, how's everything going? Oh, I have so much to do. I wish there was more hours in the day. Or how was your day? Well, I didn't really get that much done. And so really focused on how much we are doing and you know, and I just really started to think about like, to what end, like, what are we doing all this stuff for? I mean, of course, you know, we need to provide home and shelter and food to our families, but beyond that, like, what is, what are we doing? What is all this? And so I just started asking those questions um, because for me, my journey of motherhood really shifted. I mean, I am not the only one. It's such a massive identity shift. (laughs) So Yeah. So I decided to write about it basically. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to what you're saying. It feels to me pathological. For me as like some, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm on the other side of this personally, you know, where my, our, my family's life has been simplified a lot. My husband works four days a week, you know, like no one commutes. We walk to the bus. My day ends when I walk to the bus stop, you know, and and I love that. It feels amazing. And that's, those are like choices that we made because that was like that North Star, right? Of like, this is what, this is what we want. We want time and we want to, to have that time with each other. But I look at everywhere in the world and it's just so frustrating because I mean, A, so many people have, I mean, we have, the structures of our society are such that so many people sort of, you know, have to do way more than they should be doing. But then a lot of us may not necessarily have to be, but we're, we're kind of driven by just this ethos of you are what you achieve and you're not okay. You're not good if you're not like working hard. So do you, are you getting a lot of pushback since you're kind of pushing back against this? I'm not. Most people are like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) Um, But I have, you know what? So actually I'll amend that and just say from the people who read my book, 
do less, I'm not getting pushback. From the people who saw the title and didn't read it, yes, there's pushback. Because there's a lot of like, well, you don't understand my life. I can't do less. I have all these things to do. You know, I have my kids and I have this to do and I have that to do. And listen, I get it. Just like you said, there are societal structures that need to be dismantled that make it so that there are there are people who are needing to do way more just to meet the bare minimum. So I am I am not discounting that at all. And also, interestingly enough, while I was on book tour, I had conversations with some of those people who not, you know, not a why this is by no means like statistically relevant <laughs> or anything like that, but a few anecdotal conversations where where people who have felt marginalized said, you know, wow, I thought it was just only within my culture that we were taught that we had to do twice the amount of work essentially as a white man in order to even meet the bare minimum. But now you're telling me that's within your culture too. Okay, like maybe we have more in common than we do different. And so I think this is just a whole, I mean, we could go really deep here and we could talk about the core level issues with capitalism and our whole individualistic society. Because if we go there, that's really where this obsession with achievement comes from. It comes from this idea that there's only so much to go around and that it's each of our jobs to try to get what's ours and keep it from everyone else, Hmm. which is a fundamental flaw of our society. It's what keeps the problems. It's what keeps, you know, the industrial prison complex going. It's what keeps, I mean, I mean, if we're yeah. going to really go there, yeah. like it's an issue. And so my book is a micro invitation mm-hmm. to look at the places in our lives where we're buying into a system that was not designed to support our well-being and to choose to do something different. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, 
we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. I appreciate theirs. So, so deep that, you know, we ways we, you know, we could go with this and, and there's this invitation that we can start that change in ourselves. And I I really liked that you were, you wrote about like the fallout in your book and I really appreciate the way you described this. Do you mind if I read your book back to you? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But you said um, this kind of way of living, always being distracted with your kids and having them long for your real and true presence, feeling disconnected from your partner because you can't remember the last time you simply sat with each other and really listened to what's going on without having to rush off to another event or without having to check your phone at the same time, experiencing a sense of profound dissatisfaction and asking, is this really it? And I, I just could, this is, I think that so many people feel this, like we get into motherhood and we're like, this is supposed to be it. And then you're just like a running around like an insane chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a walk. I was walking with a girlfriend of mine the other day and she, you know, in a new season of life, her son just started kindergarten and, you know, they've got two, two drop-offs now and, you know, different stuff. And she just started a new work schedule and she was just like, I felt like suddenly I'm like at the whims of the public school system. Like now somebody else is in charge of my life. And she just even in that moment realized, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm the mother. I'm in charge. I get to even within the confines of the public school system and my work and the things that we have going on, my husband's business, like even within that, I get to make a different choice. And it was for her, it was as simple as deciding on this one day that she was going to pick her son up early from school rather than have him ride the bus and go crazy trying to get home. Like it's those really simple decisions that help us to be more present where you get to say, wait, I'm in charge of my life. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do it like somebody else is telling me or expects me to. How can I make today easier? Yeah. Literally. Just how can I make today a little easier? That's it. I love that. I love that. And you write about building in rest on purpose. And it's like so antithetical of the whole culture, but I love that. I was like, yes, yes. Building in rest on purpose. So tell me in this whole idea of this like cyclical framework, which I thought was so cool because I'm totally like, I could completely relate to everything you were saying about like, oh my God, my period. And you know, I'm, I'm, a fairly enlightened person yet I'm not really sure about what goes on when and I was like oh this is so me so, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about that that like cyclical framework because I think this is so mm-hmm. cool yeah so f- for women in our reproductive years we have these four phases of our menstrual cycle and we've really only been taught about two of them which are the time when you bleed when you have your period or ovulation so if you're trying to get pregnant or you're trying not to get pregnant you're probably aware of when you ovulate but those are basically that's you know let's say you have a 5 day menstrual 
part of your phase and then the one day of ovulation, that's six days that you're aware of what's happening with your body out of 28. (laughs) So that's a really small percentage and you're not tapping in nearly to the capacity or potential that's there if you know all the phases and all the beauty inside of all the phases. And I had no idea really, and nor was I interested to be perfectly honest until after I got my period back after my first daughter. And then I was like, wait a second, this is actually kind of interesting. And I started learning all about my period and I started learning about these four phases. So, and about the gifts that they offer from a productivity standpoint. I am a total productivity junkie. It, I wrote this book for myself. <laughs> I have, I'm definitely like a recovering doing addict. And so for me to have this physical embodied model that I could plug into where I know I'm supporting my physical health as, as I'm also supporting my mental health and hormonal health, it just felt very efficient to, to pay attention. So I like that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm all about efficiency. So, I mean, listen, if you want to go out in the woods and like bleed into the earth and do a ceremony and like, that's great. And I certainly have lots of friends who do those some sorts of things. And sometimes I will partake, but largely I'm really about like what's practical and what's going to get me results. And I have had amazing results in terms of my productivity and my well-being from this. It's just paying attention to the four phases. So here they are. There's the time when you're bleeding, which is called the menstrual phase. It's a little confusing because the whole cycle is called the menstrual cycle, but there's the menstrual phase of your menstrual cycle. For most women, it's like three to five days when you're actually bleeding. After you're done bleeding, and that's the time when you will feel the lowest energy and you will feel the most inward. Interestingly enough, your left hemisphere and right hemisphere of your brain are the most interconnected during this time, so you'll be the most intuitive. It's a really good time to reflect, and it's a really good time to go inside for answers. Mm -hmm. So if you have some big things you're grappling with, this is a great time to ask inside. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you teach, you teach mindfulness, so I'm sure this is not new for your audience. <laughs> but this is cool to be like, this is the time where we should be There's doing this. There's a specific time that. for That's it. So cool. yeah. yeah. You know, it just reminds me of that song, right? Uh, the to everything turn, turn. Oh, yeah, there yeah. is a there season is a da, 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 and a time to every purpose or whatever. <laughs> I'm definitely messing with the lyrics, but <laughs> the next phase is the follicular phase. And the follicular phase comes after you stop bleeding. It's like the springtime of your cycle. What's so cool is these four phases are the exact same energetically as the four seasons on planet Mm -hmm. earth and the four lunar phases. This is not by accident. Our bodies are designed in this beautiful, elegant synchrony with mother earth and with the cosmos, like with the with our galaxy. I mean, it's so cool when you realize this. And when I realized that, that's when I started paying attention and really organizing my time around my menstrual cycle because I was like, listen, if my body is doing this in the same way planet Earth does this, in the same way as the moon does this, which is responsible for gravity, like this is a big deal. And this is going to be way better than any time management system that some dude designed (laughs) who like doesn't have kids or right. Has never like all of it. It's just like the time management world is so 
patriarchal. And so, um, but I also still want results. (laughs) So, So the follicular phase is like the springtime of your cycle. It's a pretty high energy time and it's a great time to take action on things and to plan things. And you're, it's an, it's an initiation time. Like Mm. it's a, you're going to feel like starting stuff. So that's a great time to take action on what needs to be taken action on. Oh my God. That's so funny. Cause today I have these different things to do yeah. and, but I've been wanting to like get my next calendar for next year and be doing this like planning. And I'm totally in that follicular phase. I was yes. like, Oh, I, now I remember why. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like we so often, the reason this is so helpful is because as women, we spend a lot of time and energy beating ourselves up for not being the way we think we should be. And we are cyclical creatures trying to fit ourselves into a world that is designed for the hormonal experience of living in a man's body, which cycles every 24 hours. Mm. A woman's body cycles every 28 days. So it makes perfect sense that we feel like we're doing it wrong all the time because the world we live in wasn't designed for how we are. Mm. So this allows us to actually embrace what we're experiencing rather than spending all this time and energy trying to feel a way that we're not feeling, you know? Amen. I mean, Amen, just- sister. <laughs> so <laughs> that's follicular. Then there's ovulation, which is the day you ovulate, but then kind of like the two days before and after. This is the summertime of your, of your cycle. I'm actually in this time myself right now. It's a really great time for connecting for, um, it's your time that you're most, um, open and available for cross pollination. So it's literally and metaphorically you're, your most fertile, um, physically, but also from a standpoint of your ideas. So it's a really great time to do the pitch meeting, to teach your workshop, to be on podcasts, to, um, you know, to batch content, to, go in and have the meeting with your boss about the important thing. Um, You will be the most verbally articulate and fluent during this time. It's a really great time for communication. And then also from a literal, you know, hormonal standpoint, you are the most attractive. So waitresses report getting their highest tips at this time. Um, I've noticed in myself, even if I'm not like, dressed up or doing anything in particular different, like I get a different response from my husband during this time, even though I'm not necessarily doing anything different. This episode is sponsored by Candlewick Press, publisher of You Are Light, the latest title from children's book author and illustrator Aaron Becker. You open this book to find a graphic yellow sun surrounded by a halo of bright die-cut transparent circles. And then you hold the pages up to the light and enjoy the transformation as the colors in those circles glow. Aaron Becker follows as light reflects off the earth to warm our faces, draws up the sea to make rain, feeds all things that grow, and helps to create all the brilliant wonders of the world, including ourselves. You Are Light is about finding the light within each and every one of us. For kids, it gently introduces the concepts of colors, mindfulness, the environment, ecology, and the interconnectedness of our own lives with nature. 
For adults, You Are Light makes a perfect holiday gift that serves as a luminous remedy for any seasonal winter blues. You Are Light by Aaron Becker, available everywhere books are sold, and I highly, highly recommend it. It is a gorgeous book that I cannot wait to put in little hands this season. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. The pheromones. Pheromones. Wow. The pheromones. But you can (laughs) use them in your creative pursuits beyond, you know, beyond relationships. So then the luteal phase, I love talking about the luteal phase the most because I think it's the most misunderstood. The luteal phase is the 10 to 14 days before your period starts. So it's the autumn of your cycle. And this is the time when your energy begins to turn inward and your brain is the most detail-oriented And it's a great time. You have excellent finishing energy during this time, but you won't want to be, or at least I find, I don't like to tell other people how they're going to feel. I'll just share how I feel. (laughs) How I feel during this time is I don't really feel like being around people as much. I want to shut my office door. I want to get cozy and I just want to get things done but I don't really want to talk to anybody. So I try to minimize my meetings during this time. I try to minimize social events. Now, I have two small children, so there's like only so much you can do, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's not like I can go be in a cave for half of the month, (laughs) Um, nor would I want to. But it's, it's, it's a really great time for crossing T's, dotting I's. And what's so cool is our bodies are divinely designed so that... Our luteal phase is 10 to 14 days. It's the longest phase of all of the cycle, right? It's not like uh, like each phase is seven days. No, Mm. 
Our body has designed it so that we have more luteal phase because it takes longer to finish things than it does to start them. Mm. And so we're designed for that. I love this. I'm going to try to tap into my finishing detail-oriented energy, which has not been super apparent for me, but you know, that's okay. Me too. I struggle in this area. And I think that that's what's so cool is that I can lean into that a little bit more during the luteal phase and just say like, okay, well, this is going to be the best it's ever going to be for me <laughs> during this phase. So I'll just let me see what I can do here. <laughs> I like that. I'm glad to know I'm not alone. <laughs> This is going to be the best it's going to be. Let's go for it. (laughs) Oh, this is great. So then I like the way do less is divided into like this, you know, this kind of explanation of what's happening, like our, the cyclical thing about our, our culture. Oh, and also I actually want to ask you too, also, because I think that sometimes, you know, so I can imagine the listener like saying like, oh yeah, like this is really nice, like do less and things like that. But this, I'm just going to get less done. Like I'm not going to be as productive. And and you already said you're all about productivity. And so Kate's coming from a place of productivity about this because you have actually have a bunch of evidence in the book about the evidence for doing less. So I don't know if you have any of that off the top of your head, but I love to just share some of that evidence because I feel like so many of us respond to like, oh, oh, it's there. It's real. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a part of us that knows this is true, but then we really need the evidence to back it up. Like our logical Mm -hmm. mind really wants something to chew on. And so Harvard Business Review was one of the sources I thought was really interesting, put out um, a study that showed that even the people who are the highest performers, like the most adept at focusing, can only focus for four to five hours a day, tops. And so therefore, the for us, and also this has been studied across the world, we aren't really doing anything worth doing beyond 24 to 30 hours a week. Mm. Which means if you are putting in 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you are under an illusion that you're doing anything. And there's this, A, there's an addiction factor to thinking that like the more hours logged at the computer means the better. Um, I think that our culture has an avoidance strategy using work as avoiding other things. Um, And then the other thing is there is a law of diminishing returns. So, and it'll depend on the person, right? So let's say for you, you find it's 32 hours and after 32 hours in a week, really nothing you do is moving the needle. Well, then it would be much better serving you to clock out, as it were, and go do something that's restorative, if it's a walk outside, if it's, you know, a nourishing meal, if it's a quick nap, whatever it is, to take the time. Because what the illusion is, the more hours logged, the better. But that's a quantity conversation. And what the do less way is about a quality conversation. So I would rather you put in four incredible hours a week where you make tremendous strides on like the life-changing novel that you've been putting aside for, you know, the past decade, (laughs) then putting in 40 hours a week where every five seconds you're 
picking up your phone to scroll because you're so freaking exhausted that you can't focus. Yeah. Because that's not like, why do you want to, why do we want to live our lives that way? What that brings us back to the beginning of the conversation. Like, what is it that we're after actually? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you talk about to that too. Like, what is the vision? Like, what are we wanting? And you have to know what you're wanting before you're going to even get anywhere with it. But I love this four to five hours is the most these sort of high achievers can focus. I mean, that makes so much sense because that's kind of been intuitively the way I've, as a person who structures my own time, have structured my time. Like I get you know, three intense hours in the morning and then I go do something. I go for a run and I feel like kind of privileged and I feel lucky to be able to do that. But it just makes so much sense. I'm pretty terrible after that. (laughs) And I get really grumpy and then, you know, we just... Right. And then, so then there's fallout too. So let's talk about that, right? Like, so let's say you just decided to push through and you said, well, you know, the cultural standard is an eight hour workday. So I need to just do it right Mm -hmm. without questioning it. Mm -hmm. And then you don't do what your body needs and then you get sick right? Which Mm -hmm. then makes you completely unproductive and unavailable for your family, or you're just cranky. So then you're snapping at your kids, you're snapping at your spouse. Then there's all the hours of repair that have to be this. So that's just all this extra time that you wouldn't have needed to spend in the beginning to begin with. Not to mention the hours of just like not enjoying your time with your family, because when we're snippy and snappy and like not kind, it's not that fun to be around ourselves Mm -hmm. with our family. And so it's then you end up reducing the quality of the time you actually have. And the truth is, none of us knows how long we have. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to squander it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. We kind of live like we're... I I love when other people bring up death because I think it's important to remember that. Um, You know, it it really is to remember that this is it. Like how you're living this this day is how you live your life. Like how you live your days is how you live your life. And you're really pointing to that. And something that I say and teach to my uh, community is like, self-care isn't selfish. It's your responsibility. And this is... This is really about, you know, taking that responsibility and kind of putting it and saying, here are ways to take that responsibility for your time and to start some ways that you can just experiment with it. And I love that you call it experiments because it ha- it's just these are things that you can try out and see what works for you. And, and some of them like, um, I love that you have a chapter on like receiving and asking for help. So we have, why do we have so much trouble asking for help as women? I mean, I don't know. It, 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 oh, it's so multi-layered. So one thing is because we have been raised in a culture that celebrates the masculine, traditionally masculine traits over the traditionally feminine traits. And the traditionally masculine traits are totally independent, invulnerable. So, so really, um, you know, this this individualism above all. Um, And so we've been taught that that's what's valuable. And that is sort of the win-lose mentality and um, me over we. Now, as women, here we are in the third wave of feminism, I believe, (laughs) Um, and maybe the fourth, I'm not sure. But we're grappling with 
well, what does it mean to be a strong woman? And certainly in my mother's generation, in, you know, as she was building her career in the 80s, what it meant to be a strong woman was to be as much like a man as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to be told that you were taking a man's seat in law school or as a doctor at a hospital, you sure as hell were not going to be saying you needed any help because it was already enough to be a woman in that position. So now you had to be invincible. And so we have a cultural inheritance of that. And it's really important now that we begin to reassociate asking for help and needing help. I have a phrase that I've been playing with lately, which is that needing help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being human. Hmm. And if I see a woman who is willing to ask for help from a place of strength, I know that that is a very strong woman because she's not associating her self-worth with her ability to get everything done by herself, Mm. which is a very shaky place to base your self-worth on from personal experience. Because as soon as you have a circumstance like having a baby or like getting sick or like needing to care for a loved one or whatever circumstance, life brings all sorts of things as soon as you have a circumstance where you can't get everything done by yourself anymore, which by the way, none of us could to begin with, then suddenly you're worthless. That's terrible. (laughs) So what we need to do is define our worth based on who we are. And then what we do becomes somewhat immaterial. And when we are willing to ask for help, what it does is it creates this beautiful interconnectivity where when I ask for help when I need it, then my girlfriend next week when she needs help, she'll ask because she saw me ask and she was available and then she can ask and now I'm available because I asked for help. I'm not passed out on the couch because I asked for help when I needed it and now I can help her. And so we create this really strong sense of community where we can all hold each other up together Instead of this isolated, lonely society where we're all just hanging out on our little cul-de-sacs thinking there's something wrong with us because we can't get our own laundry done, which by the way, I can't. <laughs> just, I can't do it with the laundry. And that's okay. I have, I've gotten past knowing that that doesn't mean I'm, I'm less worthy as a woman. And you enjoy your life. God forbid. That's brilliant i it's like a it's like a hack the system like we just don't have to buy into this bs we just we can, don't have to buy into it to buy into it we just don't yeah no i'm psyched when my friends ask me for help know, i'm like right? yes and and sometimes they're like oh i'm so sorry and i'm like don't apologize like it makes me feel good to help you because i love you you know and like so like we can have great boundaries and let somebody know when we're not available to help yeah So it's not also, so that's another thing that we women take on. We take on somebody's ability to say yes or no. That's not our responsibility. That's their responsibility because Mm -hmm. we are grown ass women who can ask for help and also are fine if somebody says no. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think these are truths that we need to hear. Like we need to, it's great that, you know, to just hear them again and again. Um, 
and you have a you have a, you have a bunch of experiments in the book. You have like fourteen of them. But I love how you talk about streamlining your to do list. Can you share the the three questions that you're you ask yourself when you're looking at things that you that you feel like you have to do? Yes. So these were inspired by if if you if anyone listening um, has ever been to an Al Anon meeting, these are inspired by three questions I have heard in the Al Anon community. So they are. Does this need to be done? Does this need to be done by me? And does this need to be done right now? The questions from Al-Anon are, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said right now? So you can apply that in other areas. But when it comes to your to-do list, (laughs) I tweaked it a little bit. Um, And so that really helps me because like other women, I have a lot to do and, um, you know, I have plenty on my plate, but the truth is it's not all going to get done this week. And having a to-do list a mile long makes me feel stressed out. Mm-hmm. So I just only have a to-do list. I mean, you you won't be able to see listening, but it's half a page of, this is not fully f- filled out just so you're looking, cause there's only two items on here, but it's a half a eight and a half, 11 piece of paper. And that is as much as I will allow myself to put on a to-do list for the week. Oh, that's brilliant. That's so great. That's, I'm going to share with you. This is like this, see this teeny little book. It's like three inches long, you guys. So this is, this is my to-do list. And these are like the three, I always put like these items on this tiny little piece of paper every day. You have to, so it's the same. Yeah. So you can't overdo it. It's the same (laughs) thing as eating off a smaller plate if you want to have better portion control. Yeah. Just have a smaller piece of paper for your to-do list. <laughs> it's such a brilliant hack. I love it. I love it. It's so great. Well, this is great. And you have a whole bunch of stuff about managing energy and things like that. And I and I really love um I really love your final piece of advice, you know, which is um let it be enough. And I think that's, you know, as human beings with nervous systems and, and brains that are, that tend to just, you know, we just have a natural negativity bias. Like this is something that we have to practice and we have to support each other in is that this, let it, let it be enough. How do you, how do you continue to cultivate this Mm. in your life? I practice my lens of, it's just like exactly what you said. Every day I practice um, ramping up my positivity, knowing that the human brain does have a tendency to sway negative. So my husband and I say three things we're grateful for every night before we go to bed. Um, we do gratitudes at dinner with our with our kids. And they, you know, I have an 18 month old and who could barely talk. So, you know, and a four year old who sometimes chooses not to participate, but we do our best. And then um, I really like at the end of the day, I focus on how did I feel today as opposed to what did I do today? Mm. And that really helps. Um, And I just try to look around at my life and focus on like at the end of a day where, you know, life goes off the rails, right? Like I got a text today from daycare that my baby got bit by a hornet. So it's like, okay, so, (laughs) or, you know, or this one comes home with that or my mom needs or whatever, like stuff happens and, and our day can go off the rails pretty easily, but I don't want to base my life and the quality of my life and my feeling about my life on how much I got done because 
again, very shaky foundation. So I've just every day strengthening the muscle of how do I feel? What's working? What am I grateful for? What did I do well today? And focusing there, um, especially at the end of the day, really, really helpful. That's so beautiful. Well, you know, I think everybody should go get Do Less. I think it's great whether you're launching a book or not. And, you know, I, I, I have, I get a lot of books for the podcast. I have a very big library of books now, but I, and I, I might hold on to this one and come back to it, Kate. It's been very, very handy and good for me to come back to and good for me to, to dip into, uh, you know, over the course of time. I, I really appreciate what you've done with this book. It's been, it's been, um, you know, you wrote it for yourself, but that's great. Some of the best work we do is like comes from what we need ourselves, yes. right? That's, I, I know what that's all about. So yeah. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you so much. I love what Kate had to say about doing less and being more productive. It is so cool. And you know, it's been really interesting. We've, I've recorded this conversation a few weeks before we're able to release it. And I've really have been looking like, where am I in my cycle? What's happening? You know, and kind of it's giving me this sense of wisdom about my energy and and things like that. It's really uh, been very powerful. So I do recommend this book quite a bit. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. I, I feel so lucky to be able to connect with you each week. And I hope that you are getting a lot out of the podcast. If you're able to, I would love to hear your voice about the podcast. We are for the 200th episode. We would like to share your voice. So really soon, I need you to not procrastinate and do it right away. And you can go to, there will actually be a link in the show notes, but just go to mindfulmamapodcast.com. And on the webpage right there, there's like a gray button on the right-hand side with vertical words that say, leave a voicemail. And you can leave me a voicemail and tell me what your ahas are, maybe from this episode or another episode because I'd love to share your voice. I want it to be about the community. So so you can't procrastinate though. You have to have to go and do it right away. Please, please, please be a big help. And this episode is of course also supported by my book, Raising Good Humans. I would really love for you to go and pre-order now, raisinggoodhumansbook.com. You can order, you can get some book bonuses. We're still making the bonuses and getting them out there. So I hope that you will will do that and uh, and be a part of this tribe. Join us, join the movement. You're here with me. Join the movement. God, dive in a little deeper. Make it, have these resources to to support your aspiration. You know, have them handy by your bedside. It makes a huge difference. So I hope you'll do that. And thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to see you again soon. Talk to you again soon. I will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. Namaste.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.